Hi, I'm Alex. Hey, I'm Val. And we're back for season five. Yeah, this podcast is called In at the End. It is. It's a podcast that we do about The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. We watch The Sopranos. Which is a TV show. And then we come immediately and talk about it, except for in the case of this one episode where we called well, Australia. <laughs> yeah, we called Alex's parents. And talked to them for a while, and then... This is like a this is like a this is like a late night version where we're doing this very late. Yes. So this is good. It's gonna be, it's gonna be loose. late night vibes. Yeah. Talking about two Tonys. Yeah, so we're on season five now. We just did if you didn't catch it, our bonus episode. Our bonus episode. Um a season four kind discussion. of discussion or overview. And now we're jumping right into season five. Although for people who are watching this in real time, they actually had like over a year gap in between the end of season four mm-hmm. and the start of season five. Yeah. And we're watching it like two days later. Right. Lucky so, us. <laughs> yeah. L- lucky us. Um, it does allow us to catch a few things that probably like viewers wouldn't have normally caught. Um, mm-hmm. Like Tony using that excuse. Um, that he was getting an international call right. coming in, for example. From Alan Tappensley. Yeah. Which I also probably wouldn't have remembered his name if I hadn't seen that last you, episode so recently. You would have <laughs> never remembered Alan Tappensley. The most important detail of Whitecaps, yeah. what that asshole lawyer's name is. Yeah. We did remember, though, good thing we got reminded of Benny's name. That's right. Benny. Mm-hmm. Good old Benny. There's some good indicators of time, though. It does feel like it's been a long time. There's even, like... People like Melfi saying it's been a long time. There's really, for me, there was kind of an establishment of the season that was a little bit interesting. I felt like when things were starting, I felt like it was autumn. Mm-hmm. But then there's snow at different times. So where is it seemed, snow? It seemed, it seemed to me like there was snow. When they were in the Bada Bing and they were looking out the window, which was actually projected, like that wasn't actually yeah. happening, I thought... For me, it seemed more winterish at that point, like looking at the cars passing by. No, it was, was rainy. There in was the one, episode. and then there was one backyard scene at the Soprano House that kind of seemed more wintry too. Um, nonetheless, they establish a mood and a season, and there's a lot of things happening that do imply that it's been a long time since the last season. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is that um, Janice and Bobby got married. Right. We missed that. I mean, I'm sure that was a beautiful wedding. It must have been very nice. I can just imagine what Janice would have worn. (laughs) What do you think she would have worn? Um, Like a really low-cut wedding dress. Mm -hmm. Maybe like a little bit like kind of like 80s style, Mm -hmm. you know, like some poofy sleeves but Mm low-cut. That's how I see her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of this, the most exciting thing that's ever happened in my entire life with weddings, <laughs> you watch the credits, and now it's not Jamie Lynn Sigler. It's Jamie Lynn Descala. Oh, yeah. The saddest day of Alex's <laughs> life when Jamie Lynn Sigler got married for the one season she was married. And it's then, just very exciting when I'm watching the credits. And, and then, then got divorced changes. again. And then now she's married again. Anyway. And she has kids. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't about that. <laughs> I just like it when the opening scene changes. I get excited when you don't see the Twin Towers, too. Like, not <laughs> in that way. Never mind. That's... I get 
I like things that change in The okay. Sopranos. Perfect. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the two Tonys. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not about those things. It's about change. Great. And like, could you have any ideas about this episode? <laughs> I also liked that there was a mention of Doctor Phil in this episode because that's the one thing that I, whenever I have to talk about Father Phil in these podcasts, right. I really struggle with calling him Dr. Phil. So it was nice that that was referenced in this episode for right. me. Just to confuse you more. Just to confuse me <laughs> even more. So that's the part. That was my favorite part. Okay. Of that's the episode. Good. We have we have great favorite parts so far. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So we have this episode where like kind of like we're framing season 5, right? Yes. We're setting we're setting a lot of stuff up. Um we have all these guys who were arrested in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Getting out of jail. Yeah. Um, one of them we don't meet in this episode. Which is interesting. Because he and, is a Tony. And that character is Tony Blundetto, which is yeah. really fascinating that this episode is called The Two Tonys. Mm-hmm. And this season is really about The Two Tonys. And mm-hmm. yet we don't see the other Tony. We just see Steve Buscemi with the ravishing long hair. <laughs> oh, great. So now you've got your guy. <laughs> Steve Buscemi I mean, with long hair. I love Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Everything about his looks just really long hair, does Steve it Buscemi. for me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Um, we also have, like we talked about, this time has passed. Um, but we also have kind of the family drama setting itself up for this season too, right? Like we have this bear who's in the backyard. Right. We have this re-entry of Melfi as a character. Yep. So we're really, we're setting Feech up. Lamana. Oh yeah, sorry. Feech Even a Lamana. mention of Phil Leotardo. Right. I yeah. guess we don't see him either. We see pictures of him. Yeah. yeah. We see the other, the fourth guy, the one who was Carmine's um, consigliere. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know his name though. Yeah, it's okay. We'll get there. Yeah. But yeah, so we so we really have kind of this set up for the season. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know that Phil Leotardo had been a captain. That was the one mm. thing that I noted. Okay. This, That's good. This viewing. It's good insider knowledge of yeah. the New York crime family. Yeah, but anyways, but we do have so like to go kind of back to some of our symbols and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, one of the big things that we have in this episode is this appearance of the bear. Yes. Right? So, which, And we've talked a lot about animals, so it's an interesting mm-hmm. introduction of a new animal. Yeah. And so this bear is drawn to the Soprano backyard, right? By the duck food. By the duck food. <laughs> um, you know, and we, we get these shots. We get a lot of shots of the backyard, right? We have the whole kind of like beginning sequence, which is not quite the same as our other opening sequences of, of seasons where no, we usually have Tony going it. down the driveway and picking up the star ledger of some sort. It's very But barren. we have these shots of like a very, yeah, desolate backyard, a lot of the greenery surrounding it. Um, well, then the that's where the season is really established. Like there is no greenery. It's like kind of like dead trees you well, have and everything's it's like an empty chair a it's, covered pool it's definitely autumn okay it's, it's definitely <laughs> it's not winter like there was definitely no snow i know you right. said that earlier but <laughs> that's fine yeah could it be late autumn no like they were just like outside in fleece and sweatshirts okay it's just autumn they talk about the cold nonetheless in that first scene where they're establishing things it is rather desolate um 
all the things that are kind of humanizing and bring community together at the Soprano house and are things that Tony Soprano enjoys and uses in kind of a humanizing manner are kind of shut down. Mm-hmm. Like the pool is closed, the grill is covered. There's nobody sitting in those chairs that we've seen those characters sitting in. The bird box is like closed, seemingly locked. The star ledger get the bird box. Sorry, the like bird, the duck food box okay. is kind of yeah. closed. The star ledger gets dr- driven over. Yeah. So they're by Meadow in her shitty convertible. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I would have thought they'd be buying her a better one than that. Well, they probably did. More evidence of Meadows' (laughs) terrible driving. She, like, has a huge dent in the front of her convertible. Oh, I didn't see that. That's great. That's really good. Yeah, I know. Well done. Matthew Wiener shows up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Matthew Wiener is a mob expert. Also joining the show this season to write. Very exciting. Belle doesn't care about these things. Belle Belle doesn't care about cameos and... I really don't care about cameos. <laughs> it's fine. I do. Maybe you do too. Well, for yeah, whatever. Maybe um, we have some Matthew Wiener fans. Matt Wiener fans. Wiener fans. <laughs> <laughs> this is great so far. We're we're really we're putting on a great show. We should show. do this really late at night all the time. This is a great show. Yeah. Um the thing that I was noticing in that opening sequence <laughs> is and I was trying to pay attention to this whole like concept of two Tonys. So like yeah. the way that I kind of and and we have a lot of references to two Tonys in this episode, right? So we have Tony saying that to Melfi, mm-hmm. saying like there's two Tonys and this is the one that I want you to get to know. Um, we have like we said this mention of Tony Blundetto. Um, we have kind of this we see the bear really reflected, like Tony and the bear really reflected, particularly I find in the second time that the bear shows up. Um, We have Tony, like Carmela sees the bear, she runs downstairs, right? AJ runs downstairs, but they don't see the bear anymore. And then Tony comes in and it's just this like black figure lumbering and like he stays in the dark for a long time. Um, But then I was also looking for other instances where things are kind of like reflected or like mirrored in some way, right? Because I do think like we're setting up a lot of these comparisons or at least this like duality of characters. Yes. Um, so one of one of the shots in the opening um, little whatever you want to call it, opening montage of desolate outdoor mm-hmm. scenes, um, there's this great shot of the like kind of like stagnant water on top of the pool Hmm. um like the whatever the cover like the pool would have been closed for the fall um but there's water on top of it and you see the house reflected and there's Mm -hmm. lots of shots of the house too but you see the house kind of reflected in the water and it's ugly like it's not like it's distorted it's not you know it's not this like beautiful big house that we typically see it's kind of like skewed Mm -hmm. and I think that's the other thing like for me for this season is it's kind of showing I don't know like not how things decay but I I was getting that sense with like Mm. the fall motifs and stuff like that interesting but how like things aren't always as they seem or like Mm. just because something looks one way from the outside doesn't mean that's how it is on the inside kind of thing it's also kind of like a mirror of it which is interesting too when you think about characters who see themselves in mirrors yeah paulie reflecting on himself when he sees himself in a mirror actually there was somebody looking in a mirror in that shitty barbara streisand looking movie yeah i think shitty looking 
Barbara Streisand movie? I think that's uh, Robert. Uh... Robert. Uh, shit. <laughs> it's one of those Robert oh, movies. <laughs> why can't I think of his name? Okay. It'll it'll come to me. I don't know, so I would just be guessing. Robert, you talk. I'm gonna Google. Um, that's cool. That Robert Barbara's. Redford, I think. Well, that was that was gonna be my first Robert guess, but I don't know. I don't. Prince I'm not. of Tides. Prince of Tides. You've got this. Um, yeah, no, that that I mean that scene with the movie was really interesting because we've seen so many of those scenes. Um, like again, like Tony looking at himself in the mirror like that. Mm-hmm. Um, him the way he speaks to his therapist, it was really really interesting. I was kind of laughing a lot. It is with it him. is kind of yeah, like a funny reflection of the show in a kind of overdone dramatic way that the show would never engage in. But there are some of the tropes that you kind of see. No, it's being Nick. It's back. Nick Nolte. I guess. Oh yes, Nick Nolte. <laughs> that's so, not a Robert at all. No, that's not a Robert. That's not a good Robert movie. That's a shitty Robert movie. <laughs> Are there, is there even a Robert in that movie? No. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of... Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? No. <laughs> um, you keep talking. I'll... The Way We Were. I was thinking of The Way okay. We Were, which is the movie with Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford. <laughs> okay, my Barbara Streisand knowledge is very low. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is great. So... So yeah, so we have two so, Tonys. Two Tonys <laughs> again, um, but yeah. So I thought that that was an interesting, like that reflection of the house was really was really interesting. And I think I do want to pay attention for those of you who haven't seen this season before. Welcome to it; it's a great one. But for those of you who have seen it before, I'm looking to pay attention to the ways in which Tony Blundetto can serve as like a foil or. Mm-hmm a reflection of some sort or a yeah. mirror to our Tony. Well, it's interesting because without going into too many details, something that unfolds over the course of the season is Tony Soprano's reflection on why Tony Blundetto went to jail. Mm-hmm. That's a really important yeah. thing for his psyche yeah. that is dealt with. And he feels a very strong attachment to Tony Blundetto. He's almost like a kind of brother figure. And even though we haven't seen him yet, that idea of the two Tonys... And how Tony Soprano sees him and reflects on his relationship with him and how he acted as a younger man towards him and around him is kind of what this season is largely about. Mm -hmm. And how he acts around him in the present and how he deals with issues that come up around Tony Blundetto. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really fascinating that the first episode is called The Two Tonys. It focuses on that. But it's about Tony Soprano exclusively while the season on the whole is largely about these two Tonys. So yeah, it's uh, it is it is really interesting. Yeah, we have a real focus on Tony, um, our Tony, and his relationship with Melfi in this episode. Mm-hmm. And Seems pretty healthy. It, yeah, it's not seeming good. I am surprised on this viewing at the way in which she deals with it. I just like the whole thing. Like it's really over the top from yeah. Tony. Yeah. Like, when he was like, I want your skin, I was like, And eyes. Yeah, it's a lot. It was a lot. He's like, you're turning me into half a stalker. At least. (laughs) Yeah, at least. I mean, but she's not really being that firm. Like, we've seen her be really firm with him before, and she's kind of like, I don't know, like... It's complicated. It is complicated. She is, like, 
when I watch Lorraine Bracco as an act, as an actor, like I feel like she is representing strength mm-hmm. and fortitude, and she does stand up to Tony. There is that, but you're right; she doesn't kind of nip it in the bud. Yeah, it's even like a pretty long kiss that they have. Yeah, you no, know? it's complicated. I mean, she has that dream. Yeah. Which is interesting because in that dream, she's kind of in control, mm-hmm. which is an interesting dynamic to think about the kind of power balance between them. Because there's something about the way that they interact through this conflict and this desire of Tony's where Melfi does stand up to him. She does kind of hold her ground and she is composed. But at the same time, you're right. It is kind of lingering she it's kind of allowed to linger yeah not that that's really her responsibility yeah but again like it does you know kind of like you know other times where i've i was like you know what like like when he first like was really violent towards her and like yelled at her yeah kind of like i was like over her yelling at her it was like she wouldn't like she would not have allowed that to continue with him as her patient after that Right. right there's kind of like all these moments and again like when she's talking to cooperberg the first time I was like, yeah, like, you're probably right, Cooperberg, because usually I think he's an idiot. But he's like, do you think we should call the police? Mm-hmm. He also interestingly calls Tony a sociopath, which yeah. is an interesting theme that will be developed throughout the latter part of the show. Yeah. And that, maybe that's mentioned, I think that that word is mentioned before, but they really start to build on it. In I know. The, in the back part of The Sopranos. Yeah, it just, for me, it positions Melfi in a different way than we've had her position before, like, to have Cooperberg suddenly being kind of like a voice of reason. Yeah. We've often had Melfi being more of a voice of reason, mm-hmm. you know, and a problematic one. But just, yeah, it's just the, this whole episode really sets that up to be an interesting um, an interesting conflict this season. Yeah. The other thing that was interesting, I thought, with their interactions was when Tony does come in wearing that suit with, mm-hmm. like, these baby blue tie and pockets matching pocket square to his tie um instead of sitting like she directs him to sit in the chair and he yeah and he goes and sits on what's like the like you know really typical psychotherapy like chaise you know like one of these reclining chairs and that's where he chooses to sit so i really do feel like he he's really like He's really showing his crazy in this. Like, I really think, like, he's really over the top. She's showing her crazy a little bit, too. But he's really, like, it's almost like a cry for help. And I think she does say mm-hmm. that. She's like, my first instinct would be, like, that this is just right. you wanting to get back into therapy. Mm-hmm. And I think by him going and sitting on that recliner, yeah, you know, Freudian couch mm-hmm. thing, I think that is kind of, for me, that's indicating that that really is the inner like the inner conflict yeah. that's going on like we, we we know he's said things about melfi like how he likes her legs or right. whatever before and he's had a sex dream about her before mm-hmm. two or only one uh i don't know yeah don't exactly. anyway you know but like so like we know that there is this kind of like underlying dynamic there between them and particularly like around employee of the month for example like her kind of seeing him as this kind of like the bear almost in some ways that big dog right that she thought that symbolized tony right we it's kind of similar this like big black fierce animal um but i don't know for me it really is like he was being 
crazy. Even like his face when he was watching that not Robert Redford <laughs> Barbara Streisand movie. Nick Nolte. <laughs> and um, like he, he was kind of like, I don't know, it was like kind of maniacal. It was like a really strange right. face for Tony to and have. Valentina comments on it. Yeah, she's yeah. like, your face is weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know that he's with Valentina still again Mm -hmm. i don't know now yeah um but not exclusively her like he's out with some other blonde woman lady um later on Mm -hmm. um it always for some reason really gets to me that christopher is always is out with other women Mm. more than the other people it does yeah, it, like, impacts me more. <laughs> you know that I have a thing for Christopher and Adriana. Like, they're my, they're my favorite Yeah, Steve characters. Buscemi with long hair. And... I know. This is my season. <laughs> this is... A... Um, yeah, that always... Like, especially because we have that scene with Chris and Adriana that then, like, leads right into them at this dinner with yeah. all these other Gumars or whoever they are. Yeah. Um, there's something, I don't know, there's something. about it. It's the way they, like, pan to it. Like, they show you Tony first. It's, like, expected. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it always gets me. More. It's interesting that Adriana's advice of saying that Christopher shouldn't always be paying eventually leads to the death of a civilian. Yeah. If you can kind of, like, track that. Like, yeah. Adriana talking Christopher into this thing or, or kind of, like, voicing an opinion. And then Christopher acting in a certain way that ends up with the death of this waiter, this epileptic waiter. Um, there was something interesting there, too, where the waiter was saying, like, you think this job is easy. That was kind of related for me to Chris talking about inflation and kind of being concerned about his stature and his job and, and kind of bemoaning how hard it is to be in his position. Mm-hmm. And yet the waiter is in a very difficult position and these characters are just completely oblivious to the concerns of people outside of themselves, yeah. even though that's really obvious that he he only leaves them a sixteen dollar tip. Yeah, on, that's awful. Yeah, that's really bad. And you know, and the waiter as kid, so you know, we're starting to see like the really dark side of yeah of what these people are doing. And even in the end, like Christopher and Polly talking to each other, they're saying like, "We got to put this." One of us could have been hurt or even killed. It's like, well, yeah. this completely innocent waiter died. You shot him. Yeah, and hit him with a brick. Like, it's pretty horrible it's not good um chris and polly have their little conflicts throughout this episode (laughs) too they're still fighting over the pine baron story right like that brings up some some deep stuff yeah for them um again it's it's interesting right like they're arguing over like you know the the events of pine barons but then polly also brings up like Chris being blood relatives with Tony. Right. Right. So that's obviously like a sore spot right. for him in some ways too. And yeah. and we know Polly's like one of the only guys that doesn't really have, like he just doesn't have kids, right? Yeah. He's like one of the only single guys mm-hmm. that we know really well. Yeah. Um, so that's like a, a sore point for him. Um, this whole thing with picking up the tab is really interesting that sucks yeah sucks to be the youngest guy there. i mean until one day some young person's buying you all your food yeah all your lobster rolls and three pound lobsters they went to like a really of nautical themed restaurant yeah they did so that was making me think about water as well mm-hmm. speaking of of water with 
sometimes symbolizing death on this show, the Carmine Lupertazzi obviously having a stroke. Um, there was another really interesting use of the symbolism that they like on this show of as they're sitting at the golf course, he has orange juice in front of him and everybody else has either a beer or water. And it's just in front of him. You see him drinking from the orange juice yeah. right before you. Well, the scene right before that, actually, we have Tony at the Soprano house going into the fridge and chugging orange juice out of the carton mm. also. That's right. Um, just being, I mean, that's just being gross. That's not your house, Tony. <laughs> it seems like a weird power player of some yeah. sort. We also have a lot of water surrounding Carmine later when we go we're in the hospital with mm-hmm. him after he's had this stroke and little Carmine's there yeah. and his wife, I well, guess. Well, little Carmine's and like in a pool when we see him too. He is in a pool, yeah. that's right. But um, there's we get the shot into the hospital room. There's like rain pouring down mm. the windows. So it, right. we, it's, we're pretty heavy on yeah. the water rain symbolism yeah. there. Um. Yeah, but it was in, yeah. I, I noticed that right away when we got to the Carmine yeah. um, lunch. Like only it's, he it's had this funny, orange yeah. juice. So it was like, really oh God. interesting. Not good. <laughs> not good, dude. Yeah. Don't order order orange juice. Yeah. This is a very not mob boss order. Orange juice. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Um. The the other thing that I don't know. This is like a weird one. I don't know. Orange mm-hmm. juice made me think of it. But coffee's brought up in a, a number is. of times in this in this episode, and it seems to be surrounding. Well, it seems to be a sore spot for Tony. You know, and again, we're talking like that. This is taking place like probably a year later, right? In mm-hmm. terms of Soprano time, I forget exactly what season we kind of ended with. Right at the end of and season White four, it it kind could, of felt like late summer. Yeah, could have been. You know. Um, interesting. We, we were yeah. talking about that too. We couldn't quite figure it out, but um, that like, but definitely time has passed, right? Yeah. Like, let's call it a year. Okay. But this is still like when Carmela offers Tony coffee, he says it tasted really weird last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get into this conversation about Furio, right? Like that Tony's yeah. been calling Italy right. and like putting hits out on Furio, mm-hmm. basically. Um, but this coffee machine is broken. Yeah. Um, she needs money for a new one. Yeah. Um, but he's really, he's too sensitive to even like accept the coffee from her because that's what she used to right. do with Furio, I guess. Yeah, and that's where the episode ends, where he yeah. says no to the coffee. Yeah. It's interesting because it's a device to get the story out about what's been happening with Furio in mm-hmm. Italy. And it's well done because it's kind of believable and the, the dialogue seems organic. But it's interesting because they also kind of deconstruct coffee they talk about it mm-hmm. in terms of like what it means to these characters where typically that's our job to think mm-hmm. about the importance and the reason for certain things impacting characters in certain ways. Um, but coffee is definitely mentioned quite a bit. Yeah. And that last scene is interesting. It's it's one of a few actually where they use those characteristic swirls around Tony to kind of show different sides of him. And there's a few where they really focus on sides of his face. Right. Which is something that we first started talking about way back in college, mm-hmm. where there's, which I I wanted to check if that was also a Tim Van Patten episode, but I didn't, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. But um, in college, you know, we see this uh, character swoop around Tony, kind of showing two different sides of his face. In season one, I remember talking about the lighting on him, so there would be kind of like two tones. There would be 
kind of like a dark and a light side of his face, which is kind of something that's happening at the very end of this episode as he's outside, which is interesting to think about that kind of duality, that aspect of black and white, these kind of simplistic two sides to something. And also to there's two Tonys. Two Tonys is the episode. Tony saying there are two Tonys. Um, this kind of simplistic reading. Also, uh, Tony at the part where Carmela first sees the bear and she's all in pink. When Tony walks out and he's walking into the backyard, the shot is fascinatingly very much on just the side of his face. So it's yeah. like a profile. Yeah. And we just see one side of his face at that point. And so I have to kind of read it as that is one of the Tonys that we're seeing. Right. At that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the two Tonys because he's behaving in a certain way, be that perhaps protecting the family or, or however you want to read it. Yeah. But there's definitely some some conscious angles that are that are decided on there to, to show Tony in a certain way. I just looked back. It wasn't Alan Coulter. It was or no, no, sorry, no, it wasn't it Tim wasn't, Van Patten. It was Alan it Coulter. Was Alan Coulter but, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um it's but, something that they, they use a lot in the show. Yeah. It's, well, I was going to say, like, even you said, like, there's two tones, which is really interesting, like, in terms of two Tonys, two tones. But we have Tony wearing a lot of his, like, black and white shirts today, right? Like, mm -hmm. and... And then trying um, out a blue. Trying out this really great suit for Melfi. It was a good suit, wasn't it? Uh, it was weird. It was weird? I didn't like it. You didn't like it? I, I, I wasn't into it. Maybe it was the rape culturiness of it <laughs> yeah I just, of his behavior yeah i just wasn't into it um when he said he wanted her eyes <laughs> you don't like that nope didn't okay. like it um so romantic yeah no but we do we have these we have a lot of these kind of like swooping or i i i, I always wish i had better um like film vocabulary because mm -hmm. there's a couple shots in this episode um one near the really near the very beginning and then one kind of after that scene with the two tonys where we have these kind of like very um wide like very wide camera lens um and then panning shots of the nature around the soprano mm -hmm. home and trees and wind going through the trees and kind of like surveilling this outside yeah. area um and i just think like it really there is this sense to i think for me in this episode and in this season like the danger danger is really closing in around the mm -hmm. soprano home and like it's like coming closer right so the backyard like uh, and the home of the sopranos was always kind of this like compound in some way yeah. right like the way you come up the driveway even yeah. And now we have things bear that are really, <laughs> yeah, we have like a bear in there and it's yeah. weird. Um, it's pretty serious. It's pretty serious, but it's not these ducks that are rustling in the, yeah. you know. Um, it's also, it's not like a kind of domesticated, not domesticated, but it's not a horse, right? It's not like mm -hmm. an animal that humans can use and train. Mm. It's something that is actually a threat Yeah. to people. Yeah, but yeah, but those some of those tree scenes. There's one in particular. It's just like a shot, like a quite a lengthy shot of just like wind mm -hmm. rustling through these trees. Right. And it reminded me also of college. It reminds me. I mean, we've seen yeah. it a lot of times also. But um, yeah, just kind of showing. I guess I guess it is. I mean, in some ways too, reflects back to kind of what we were saying about this. Um, I don't know, like 
duality, right? Like there's this house that has every, you know, it's like brightly lit all the time and it has guns and grenades inside it and whatever. But it's situated within this area that is kind of in some ways like wild, right? Like they have this relatively large piece of land surrounding them. Yeah. They have... I, I keep I always call it greenery. I get that it's fall, but you know what I mean. Like they have plant life yeah. around them, and so it is again kind of like this. Not everything is always how it appears, right? And there's kind of these two facets of this place, um, and you know, ha- situating like Benny and little Polly. Was that little Polly? No, it wasn't. The, the two guys who were sitting outside with the gun. Who was the second guy? Oh, God, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not, it wasn't Lil Polly, but, um, you know, like having, pe- like the need to have people like standing guard outside your home from, right. you know, and they're like kind of disturbed by the rustling in the bushes right. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, like, like Benny this... actually seems nervous. Yeah, he, well, and so, does, inside, so yeah. does the other guy, whatever yeah. his name is. So... Yeah, so for me, that just kind of points out some of those things. Interestingly, too, when Tony goes to Melfi at the very end, there's a lot of tree imagery in her office, Mm. more than normal, actually. So there's multiple paintings with trees. We see the the tree in the barn that's referenced way earlier in the show. Melfi's actually wearing, like, a tree brooch. Yeah. Um, And her walls are really dominated by this, by these paintings of greenery and trees in particular. And... When Tony goes home, interestingly, there's a focus on fake greenery, I think, in the kitchen. So right. it's like kind there's of. There's that, like, plant stand. There's like, yeah, like a plant, or, but it's not real. Yeah. Um, and so there is kind of a reflection of the different spaces that he is in and maybe what he's drawn to. Um, but when he goes home to Carmela, there is kind of like a domestication or kind of just like a, a fakeness to right. the interaction with that greenery. Right, right, that, right. That that afterlife or that eternal yeah. kind of realm, which is dealt with differently by Melfi in that space, in, yep. that, in that space of, of psychology. and Yeah. Yeah. What kind of strange group therapy session was she having going on there? I know. What does, what kind of, a, what does Melfi do? I, I don't know. I've never, I thought she just took cl- private clients. I didn't know she had these sessions about standing up for yourself or something. I don't know. <laughs> we just get that one line of someone. Yeah. Um. What else did I want to say? Well, I have like small things on some different characters and the way they show up. AJ is interesting. Oh yeah, like, he plays drums now. He plays drums now. Apparently, the drum set was five thousand dollars, which is remarkable. Uh, five thousand dollars is a lot of money to spend on a drum set, especially if you have shitty pasty symbols like that. Yeah. Does he have a fucking round badge kit? It's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Don't Anyone worry about who it. likes drums, you got that. <laughs> it's too much money. Or they, they grossly misspent. Maybe Tony got conned. Right. Regardless. I think it's interesting because AJ seems pretty tough in the house. He talks back to Carmela. He says he should have thought of that before when Carmela sings her song about a man in the house, which is weird to start with. But um... It's not really a song. <laughs> no, I think it is. No. She makes it a song. She's like, it's just so nice to have a man around the house. It's not a song. No, she like sings it. Okay, well, we have a disagreement on the melody, Carmela's melody. But AJ in that moment, 
his attitude in the house when Carmela comes down and the bear is seen for the second time. Um, or actually, sorry, maybe it's right before Tony gets there. But AJ is very different when he's outside and he's actually confronted by the bear and he's like a whimpering kid. And he's yelling, mummy. So he really doesn't have the kind of strength and fortitude and courage that he has in the comfort of the home. He kind of is a different person and he has a backbone in this very comfortable environment where he is very safe. Mm -hmm. But when he's actually confronted with something, he's not that way at all. And right. he requires his mom's help or his dad's help, but he really can't stand up for himself. And he's terrified. I find it weird that they have him say mommy. <laughs> but, I mean, it's something. Like, when you think about Tony reflecting on how this line of work wouldn't work for AJ, he's right. Like, AJ could never do or be what Tony does and, and is as right. a person. It's just, it's unthinkable. Right. Because he's just, the apple has fallen so far from the tree at this point. Yeah, I just don't think, like, even if AJ really were really scared, he would say mommy. But... He I might... would never... If I were really scared, I would still just say mom, you know? <laughs> You're not AJ. It's just not believable for me. <laughs> that's, 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 that's your issue in this episode? Yeah. He would have said mom, not mommy. He wouldn't have said mommy. <laughs> He'd say mom. Yeah. Okay, got it. Take it up yeah. with uh, Terrence Winter and David Chase. <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, we get Feech, Lamana, who's established pretty quickly. His story. I think it's interesting when he's telling a story to, to Junior and Tony because he's just crazy. He's so crazy. And for people to be laughing at the story, I just really have to question, like, who are these people? Like, if that's funny... And that's entertaining and that's a good story. You really have to wonder who Junior and Tony are mm -hmm. as people because it's just, it's insane. Mm -hmm. He's just a maniac. Yeah. So he's established very quickly. Again, as always, I'm very impressed by the efficiency of writing. They just communicate so much about characters with so little dialogue. Yeah, we and, have one scene with him. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Aid's first scene, um, I mentioned how it's interesting how her small amount of dialogue with Chris leads eventually to some drama unfolding. But I love the first shot as they're panning across the room. There's kind of a lingering focus on the cigarette and the ashtray. Yeah. And I think that her lack of control in this season is, is a major theme for her character arc. And I think that her position being an informant to the FBI is very precarious. Yes. And it's going to be very hard for her to navigate that. Yeah, totally. Um, Benny, uh, he says some things about, you know, it's not crazy. I'd want a man in the house. These, these kind of prototypes of masculinity and these ideas of Carmela also referencing that. Right. Well, and AJ saying you should have thought of that before. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting how Carmela kind of, buys into that she kind of agrees with him and embraces him staying there and sitting outside with a freaking whatever gun that is which seems like a bad idea i wouldn't want that i would feel less safe but there are these weird concepts of male and female and what's necessary for protection and what a man would do which is interesting that aj behaves in the way he does and says mummy because he's different than these other people and he doesn't live up to the masculine whatever that, yeah. that concept of masculinity well and also interesting in light of like the Melfi Tony stuff as well because you know at one point 
Melfi really had to question, like, does she need Tony as a protector? Right. Right. And he's really, like, giving her this opportunity to have that, right, to have someone. But then she comes out and really says how much she doesn't agree with his values. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, even though at one point that did seem appealing for her, Mm -hmm. that she doesn't, like, that's not her values. That's not how she sees herself. Which is really interesting because if we think back to Employee of the Month, the last scene is Melfi saying no, where she mm-hmm. decides not to embrace this aspect of Tony who can actually fix an injustice yeah. in society. Yeah. Which is fascinating because this in this episode we have an example where Tony represents somebody who can fix the inefficiency of the bureaucracy in dealing with the bear. And Carmela does embrace it. And that does reflect their different values. Right. And Tony has the ability to fix the situation through brute force and his connections and his goons and his ability to be violent and and all these things. But at the end of the day, you're kind of breaking the social compact. Now I'll say social compact, even though we questioned it. (laughs) its existence as a word when we first heard it he's breaking the social compact um through all this behavior that he engages in Mm. and yet carmela welcomes it and and embraces it as he comes to protect her against the bear where melfi was firm in saying no so there is a uh, kind of a tie between melfi and carmela in that moment and I, I, I do really think back to Employee of the Month where Melfi made a stand against that and didn't take what yep. is a very enticing aspect of what Tony does, is yeah. that he can fix these problems outside of society that are frustrating. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to be in season five. It's an amazing season. Yeah. And we're looking forward to continuing our podcast. Yeah, maybe a little earlier. Yeah, next it's time. very late right now, but that's yeah. okay. Um, but you know, jazz musician time. We got to get a show out. Yeah, we got to do it. So, <laughs> so thanks for listening. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, or mm-hmm. if you have an iTunes account, yeah, um, it really does help. And every podcast says this, so I feel like that's <laughs> why I'm I'm allowed to say it. Uh, it really does help us if you rate and review it yeah helps people find it and think and hear about the sopranos all the time so we love that and yeah and we'd love to you know keep making this a better show so if you have any feedback for us let us know yeah send us an email we love hearing from you okay bye bye